Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the New York Giants. This is the Giants Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now your host, Ryan O'Leary and Giants Wire editor, Dan Benton. I've talked to you since you made a coaching uh, change to your staff. And um, looking back at that situation, um, I'm sure it's not something you anticipated. Uh, is there anything you could have done differently to kind of patch this together? And, you know, what is it, you know, how unsettling was this whole thing for you? Yeah, I just say, listen, on the entire situation, uh, I made this clear from day one. I'm always going to make every decision and what I see as best for the team. Uh, this decision was no different. Uh, look, there's been a lot of information out there, a lot of misinformation, and a lot of people have done a lot of digging trying to find out details of the situation. I'm not going to rehash any of that. Uh, I just say in the whole thing, we wish Mark luck going forward, and uh, the decision we made was invest in the New York Giants short and long term. Oh, come on, Dan. I want to know I want to know the real thing that happened. I want to know why this is misinformation from Joe Judge on his on his fight with former offensive line coach Mark Colombo, right? I mean, this is wild, man. Out of the bye week, the Giants they're just pumping storylines out. What do you think about this whole situation? Oh boy. It's it's so wild. It's it's just 2020 in a nutshell, really. It's just like here we go. And uh, you know, there's there's several trains of thought that I have on this, but I don't think any of them are as at the forefront as the whole thing is kind of poorly timed. You know, the Giants are finally starting to hit a stride, trying to get some momentum going here, and then there's this massive fallout. And whatever it is that actually happened behind the scenes, the fact that it's been rumored that there was this fist fight that happened between this six foot eight, almost four hundred pound monster of a man and Joe Judge has just completely encapsulated the media world on a national level. It's almost crazy in that way, and it has completely sidetracked every bit of positive momentum that the Giants had. And for that alone, there's reason to be concerned with this story. I choose, Dan, to follow that storyline because I want to picture Joe Judge putting up the fists against uh, Colombo, the former Dallas Cowboys offensive lineman, right? This yeah. giant human being. Like, I don't yeah. think Judge would win that fight. So for Judge, <laughs> I, I saw Judge at the podium. He looked like he was clean. He looked good. There's no black eyes, no bloody, you know, no broken nose, no nothing like that. So obviously, I think, as you said on Twitter, that whole thing is greatly exaggerated. I think it wasn't a physical altercation, but it was a verbal altercation. And just to rehash that story. verbal altercation. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, he said some things you can't say to your boss. And, and that's why he's gone. No, no. I, he said some things you really shouldn't say to any other human being ever under any circumstance. So, you, so you've heard some, of, some rumors about what was said. Yes. And nothing that I can repeat, even if we heavily censor it so it was, it was pretty it was pretty bad so okay, yeah okay. which is why it he was, was uh, it was and it was more than once too I, I don't know that that actually is has gotten out there um to any great degree but th- this is something that ha- happened on more than one occasion uh once colombo had dressed down judge during a team meeting in defense of andrew thomas which i kind of found ironic because if there was any one person who was failing andrew thomas it was mark colombo sure. so to come out in defense of him um while he was being nitpicked during a team meeting i actually found a sort of a last ditch effort to kind of appeal to the players for colombo who was obviously losing support from the other coaches and then of course there was the big blow up last tuesday night 
you know, when Judge decided that he was going to bring in an assistant to kind of pitch in. And, and you know, there were other little fallouts, none, none as significant as those two, um, one of which occurred on the practice field while Judge was trying to correct technique with center uh, Nick Gates and Colombo basically undermined him and told Gates, you're going to do what I say, not what the head coach does. And, you know, that you could just tell, you know, now in hindsight that that situation was greatly souring. It doesn't look like a great look for Colombo and his coaching, his future coaching prospects, right? I mean, I know he was kind no. of an up and coming guy was groomed by Jason Garrett over in Dallas. I think he was an assistant over there, right, for a little while, and he comes over to the Giants. And the offensive line, in Joe Judge's defense, has sucked all year long, right? They were starting to pick up stride a little bit, but as the story goes, Dan, and correct me if I'm wrong, but Joe Judge begins devoting some of his own time to the offensive line because it's just Mm -hmm. not getting it done, right? And he realizes, okay, I'm the head coach of this football team. I can't be the offensive line coach. That's why we have Mark Colombo. So he decides to bring in one of his guys, uh, and it's uh, Dave DeGuglielmo. Sorry if I mispronounced that. We're going to call him by his nickname, Googe, right, Dan? Googe. That's what we're going to say because we can't Googe. pronounce his actual name, Googe. Uh, right. So he brings in Googe, his guy, and Colombo doesn't like that. And that's what I think finally kindles the fire, right? And that's what, mm-hmm. you know, kind of sparks him to just lose his mind because he can't he can't fathom working in tandem with another coach on the offensive line, which has been bad all season long. And that, at the end of the day... It's just a terrible look for Colombo. I'm sorry. It's just a terrible look. I know there are people out there that want to defend Colombo, and they like him as a coach. They they like you know his personality when he meets with the media and things like that. But you're right. I mean, listen, it's one thing to undermine your boss. You really can't do that anyway. It's another thing to dress down your boss. You really can't do that either. And then the third strike is just completely blowing up at the notion of putting the team first over self. And listen, you can't you can't do that in the NFL. Period. You especially can't do that on a Joe Judge team, a Tom Coughlin team, a Bill Belichick, Bill Parcells, these highly successful coaches. And granted, let's, you know, let's wait before we put Judge in that in that category. But you get what I'm saying. You, these are team first, team oriented guys. There is no ego that can be involved in the success of these football teams or how these guys approach coaching these teams. And like I said, three strikes and you're out. And those are three deadly sins in the NFL. So if you are another coach out there and you're looking at this situation, whether or not you want to believe the rumors or not and if you do it's actually even worse but you're right this really hurts Colombo's future coaching prospects and it doesn't help further that in the aftermath of this whole thing he actually has been on Twitter liking tweets with like Mike Tyson's punch out photoshopped of him knocking out Judge like it's very <laughs> immature kind of thing yeah terrible look terrible look for Mark Colombo he's not doing himself any favors right now but the interesting thing is it seems like he was a players coach right the players like him yeah I know he's yeah. a Jason Garrett guy so now what we have to follow, instead of talking about the path to the NFC East Championship, Dan, which yeah, is where I wanted right. to start today until this stuff happened. But I do kind of like this stuff, the whole thing with Colombo and Judge fighting. Like, this is kind of fun for me. But the fallout now, the players and the uh, offensive coordinator, that's going to be an interesting storyline to follow. I, okay, so Jason LaCanfora comes out, says that he's hearing that this could be the last year for Garrett because he's not happy about this. Maybe he's looking to get out of here now because... Colombo was his guy. You wrote on the Giants wire that some players are uh, kind of shocked and maybe miffed about what happened. Maybe they, they haven't got the full explanation or they're hearing rumors just like everybody else. They're on Twitter liking the Mike Tyson, you know, punch pitchers and all this stuff, right? So the fallout and the trickle down, Dan, is something now that we're going to have to follow over the next couple of weeks. And we're going to have to see if that does kind of puncture a little hole in the momentum that the Giants have built. They've won a couple in a row. They're tied in the win column with everybody else in the NFC East. They're right in the middle of the race for the uh, number four seed in the NFC playoffs, but we're gonna now gonna have to look at this like trickle down effect of yep. this blow up between Judge and Colombo 
and how the players and the other coaches feel about it, right? So what do you think about that piece? Well, I, like I said to start the show today, I, I am admittedly concerned about that sidebar because, you know, when you start fracturing player trust and things like that. And and listen, we're not, no one's saying that that's what happened here, but if behind the scenes, that is how these players are feeling. And there's no denying that Colombo is a player's coach. He just is that, you know, he is a former player himself. Uh, Players tend to respect other guys who have been on the field, especially at the NFL level. He was obviously liked, not just by the offensive line, but other players in the building and other coaches on the team. And when you start fracturing those sorts of things and then, you know, Judge now is bringing in a guy he has, you know, connections with previously, who has connections with the Giants previously, and you're kind of sending out a guy who was an outlier, who, you know, was able to connect with some of the other outliers, and there aren't many on, on Judge's staff, you know, then you're right, you do, you start fracturing things, and who knows what that means for Jason Garrett. Uh, Judge said yesterday that it's, you know, not a thing, it's no big deal, their relationship is sound, but listen, the bottom line is that Columbo was a Garrett guy, and even before for all of this it wasn't like Garrett seemed like he was in this for the long haul there's going to be other head coaching opportunities that are going to call his name Mm -hmm. as it is so there was already this lingering concern that he might be on his way out and I don't think this helps that situation so whether or not some of these reports are true you know you know flip a coin maybe maybe not the bottom line is there's a lot of things that are going to be pulling Garrett away from the Giants at the end of this season and I don't think this situation helped either short term or long term when it comes to that kind of thing now if the offensive line continues to play well continues to improve no harm done you know winning cures everything but if all of a sudden you know they're trying to start reinventing the wheel which judges promised they're not going to but again we'll see time will tell and if they start you know struggling a little bit daniel jones starts getting hit again and we start having some of these reoccurring issues and the team starts losing again that's when you'll see what this really meant to the organization as a whole let's pick this conversation up on the other side we'll be right back Fantasy football is about proving that you are better than your friends. Sit them, start them. These are the fantasy picks of the week. It will kill me if this game ends in a tie. I need this win. This game's pretty much done. With Corey Bonini from TheHuddle.com. Corey Bonini with TheHuddle.com here to talk to you about fantasy football strong plays entering week 12. New York Giants quarterback Daniel Jones returns from his bye week to face a team that is emotionally deflated after losing quarterback Joe Burrow. The Bengals have given up three 30-plus point games in the last five weeks and one that was nearly 22 points. This matchup is 32.3% better than the league average over the last five weeks, and it offers Jones a chance to redeem himself after what has been pretty much a horrid second year. Gamers will have to act fast on this one because it's a Thanksgiving Day game. Baltimore Ravens running back Gus Edwards is in line to see the bulk of the touches after J.K. Dobbins and Mark Ingram were placed on the COVID-19 list. The upside for Edwards is he faces a team that allowed 16 carries, 87 yards, and a touchdown to him in Week 8. The downside is Pittsburgh's been pretty good against running backs all year long. Anytime you have a guy who has an opportunity for the lion's share of work, it's worth getting him into the lineup. Indianapolis Colts rookie wide receiver Michael Pittman Jr. versus the Tennessee Titans. These teams met in Week 10, and Pittman posted 7 catches, 101 yards, but he didn't find the end zone. He did make it into the end zone last week, however, for his first pro touchdown. Pittman has averaged 6 targets in the last three games and he's produced wide receiver three or flex territory numbers. He's only getting more comfortable in the offense and now he has one of the finest matchups of the year facing him in week 12. Minnesota Vikings tight end Irv Smith Jr. faces the Carolina Panthers. Prior to suffering a groin injury a couple weeks ago, he was on the right track and was heating up. Now he gets a chance to rebound facing one of the worst defenses of his position. Carolina has given up seven different performances of at least 10 PPR points in the 
last six games against tight ends, and all five of the touchdowns allowed this year have come in the last eight contests. Smith is risky, but there's plenty of upside to be found here. For all of your fantasy football tips, information, news, and advice, be sure to check out thehuddle.com. So on the topic of Jason Garrett moving on in the offseason, Dan, and certainly that's on the table, like you said, with coach, uh, you know, other head coaching jobs maybe coming available. I don't know. This is a storyline we've been talking about all year. Maybe maybe people won't be so mad if Jason Garrett walks away, right? I don't know if that's something that we want to hammer. They're, the Giants are 3-7. and seven. The offense hasn't been great all season long. So uh, we've, we've criticized plenty of Jason Garrett's play calls and decisions and some of his flea flickers and stuff like that throughout the year, right? So maybe that wouldn't be the worst case scenario, but... Just to wrap up this Joe Judge Colombo thing, and I and I do just to cut myself off here, I do agree with you that the timing is terrible. But I guess you can't really you don't get to choose when this stuff happens, right? A blow no. up happens, and you got to deal with it now. But it is yeah. kind of a tone setting moment for Joe Judge in his young coaching career, right? He he's not taking this kind of crap. He's like, yo, you're out. You can't talk to me like that. And, and as you said, I didn't even know that this was, this was a, a second or third offense for Colombo uh, dressing down his head coach. You can't do that thing. You can't do that. Joe Judge is the leader of that locker room. He's allowed to make those decisions. If he wants to bring in uh, Googe to help out with the offensive line, Mark Colombo has to fall in line. That's his literally his job. And I just think, I think uh, Joe Judge standing firm and, and saying, dude, get out of here. I don't care if the players love you. Get out. I'm not taking you're out. That's a tone setting moment for him as a young head coach. And, and I kind of like it. Uh, yeah, I agree with you completely. Listen, you, you can't do that in any walk of life. You can't do that in any business. You can't do that at any job. The fact that Judge was even that patient to begin with kind of is a testament to, to him as a, as a leader. But when push came to shove at the end of the day, that was it. You know, this guy had given you uh, some slack. You took it all. You kept going. You pressed your luck and it's time to go. And hopefully the players are, you know, all adult enough to look at that and say, listen, you know, maybe we like the guy, but you know, wrong is wrong and right is right. And, and Judge made the decision that he had to make. Like, I don't think there was any other way to go about this, because if you allow that to continue and there are no consequences for those actions, you're basically telling your whole team that anyone, anyone across the board, top to bottom, from owner to janitor, can just walk all over Judge. And at that point, you lose the team. Joe Judge might have a chance to fight the janitor, but not Mark Colombo. We don't want to see him <laughs> fighting Colombo. Uh, so, yeah, that would, have been, that would have been a little one Okay, so all this drama aside, and God, the Giants have been just, they've been just great to have a podcast about the Giants between the DJ <laughs> Lughead thing, right? And all this, all this stuff. We, we just have storylines for days with this team. I love it. But one of the most interesting storylines, and actually people are mad, Dan. People are sick of seeing the NFC East. There's plenty more of that coming up, including on Thanksgiving. People seem to be upset that they have to watch the Cowboys and Washington football team on Thanksgiving. But I kind of love it. I kind of love this storyline. It's even it's gotten even more crazy with every single team having three wins. The only reason the Philadelphia Eagles are still on top of this division is because of their tie with the Cincinnati Bengals. It's just out of yeah. control. So three, six, and one is still on top of the NFC East, the Giants, Washington, and Dallas. They're all three and seven. So they're all tied in the win column, and they're going to be jockeying for position as we go here. And Dan, I've been looking at the path after last week and, and just taking a look at it. I'm, I've kind of come to the conclusion that two teams Teams could win this division, really, realistically. Looking at the schedules, I think two teams. Can I, ever... can I take a guess before? Can I take a guess? Go for it. I'm going to say the Giants and then the Cowboys. 100. percent 100. percent That's my conclusion. I'm with After you. all my research, yep. my math, and, and you know, it's always scary when I start to do math. But <laughs> I, looking at the path, it's really the Giants or the Cowboys, and it comes to. It's going to come down to who wants to pick in the 20s and who wants to pick in the top 10. Right? That's what it's going to come down to. <laughs> right. Right now, the Giants right. hold the number seven pick, and the Cowboys hold the number four pick. But if you make the playoffs, you're going to be the number four seed, and you're going to pick 
21, 22, 23, one of those kind of spots, right? Yeah. So it's going to be such a drastic change in draft position. It's out of control. So it's going to come down to which team really wants it, what team wants to go to the playoffs and host that game on wildcard weekend. But I think it's going to be the Giants or the Cowboys. And looking at the Giants, and we can talk about that here coming up. But for the Giants, looking at the path, man, it's opened up, right? It's opened up. They're going to play the Bengals this week. Joey Burrow out for the season. I hated to see that. Your, your stomach turns yeah, for that terrible. kid. I love Joe Burrow. I thought he was having a great year, but it was only a matter of time before that offensive line was going to kill him. We could talk all, all we want about Dan Jones and his offensive line for the Giants. The Bengals was worse way worse and Burrow was getting just annihilated every game he was hanging in there but he's taking some shots and there was no coming back from that one his knee is shredded uh, so that's terrible but now you also got Joe Mixon going on IR so yep. the Bengals are banged up Dan and this is a game that the Giants I think I think we had them winning this game anyway but now it really feels like a W and I'm actually thinking I'm still alive in my survivor pool and I'm actually looking at the Giants I'm like mm, can I trust the Giants here I, I might be able to trust them wholeheartedly to beat the Bengals get four wins and be off and running. Boy, I'll tell you, after before this Colombo thing, I, I would have just totally just marked this off as a win. I am I'm so cautious about how to feel about this team now that the emotion has shifted. But the bottom line is, is if they get out on the field and do their job, this is a game they should win. If they stay focused and continue to take it week by week like it's been uh, this season, it's it's a game that, that they, they should win. That's that's just all there is to it. We could talk about the X's and O's and ins and outs. This is a game they should win, and it's a game they have to win. If they lose this game right off the season, it's finished. You're done at that point. You're not coming back from there. I don't care what the standings or statistics say. <laughs> so you're closing so, down yeah, the path I, if they lose to the Bengals, Dan. That's it. Yeah, I would. I would, I would call it, it a day at that point. Yeah, so, but I, I don't think that that's going to happen. I certainly don't hope that that's going to happen. And what makes this interesting is that if they win this game, the Giants go into December competitive not just competitive competing for a playoff spot which is what john mara said the team would need to do in order to avoid any massive changes this coming offseason so for all of those dave gettleman haters out there if the giants win this game against the Bengals and go into december with an opportunity to win the nfc east title i would strongly believe that there are not going to be any significant changes this offseason now, as far as going back to the NFC East race and people being upset, I just want to drop this line in there. Go. you got to throw out the records. Just forget about them. You have playoff football, essentially, from the middle of November to the end of January, and that is something every NFL fan should enjoy. So throw out the records. Forget about that. Just enjoy good. And it's traditional Thanksgiving football, too, between these two teams. So I would say just enjoy it. You know, granted, you know, if you're an outsider, an outlier looking at this and thinking to yourself, three and seven is ridiculous. Just just ignore that. It's just fun, meaningful football in a year that has not had a whole lot of excitement or thrills in any walk of life. So. People need to just kind of relax and just enjoy the ride here. Yeah, people are so fired up in 2020. It's so true. The Cowboys are everything. Yeah, the Cowboys are a really good story. I mean, with all their injuries, Dak Prescott going down, and they're down and out, but they go ahead, they come back, they beat the Vikings. You listen to them in their post game. They're not trying to lose football games. They want to win. No. They're 100 percent going for the NFC East title. They want it. So it's between and, and imagine, imagine it comes down to the Giants and the Cowboys on January 3rd for the NFC East title. And I think we have a real shot at that. I'll tell you why. Let's do that coming up next. It's that time again for the line of the week. The inside track to the favorites, the underdogs, and the over-unders. I think I want my money back. Now, here are Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren from USA Today's Sportsbook Wire. 
Hello, happy Thanksgiving from Sportsbook Wire and BetSlip and Podcast. I'm Esther McLaren, joined by Jeff Clark to break down all you need to know to bet on the Week 12 Monday Night Football game between the Seattle Seahawks and Philadelphia Eagles. The Seahawks come in on the road, minus 250 Moneyline favorites. They're laying five points at minus 110 odds. The Eagles, plus 205 on the Moneyline, plus five-point dogs at home, minus 110 odds again, over under 51 and a half. Jeff, how are you feeling? Do the Eagles have any chance of keeping up with Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks? Nope. And you could talk the rest of the time. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm, I'm taking the Seahawks minus five. Uh, Russell Wilson and Carson Wentz are on the complete opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of performance. Um, Russell Wilson was flirting with an MVP run. Maybe not so much anymore. Carson Wentz leads the NFL in interceptions. It's all bad news over there in the city of brotherly love between Doug Peterson, um, the GM, Howie Roseman, and Carson Wentz. A lot of people are in trouble over there if they don't get this game in, or if they don't win this game, and I'll take the Seahawks minus five. Minus 110 odds for the Seahawks to win by at least six points. I'm going to parlay that with the over 51 and a half, minus 106 odds, so a little bit better value there. Seattle and the over 51 and a half odds from BetMGM. Subscribe to BetSilvan Podcast on your favorite app. Please be sure to rate and review. All right, Dan, continuing our conversation on the NFC East and the state of the NFC East, which is uh, wild. Uh, let's wild. first let's first talk about why I'm losing faith. Uh, I'm losing faith in the Eagles and Washington to kind of hold on here. And first of all, the Eagles, we actually gave them in our path a couple weeks ago. We gave them a win over the Browns. Remember that? We actually said, okay, this is a game yep. that the Eagles, assuming they lo- lose to the Giants, which they did, we said the Eagles can't lose to the Browns. They just can't. They have no shot if they lose to the Browns. Well, they lost to the Browns. So now they got to go home against Seahawks, at Packers, home against Saints, at Cardinals, at Cowboys. I mean, if they win one more game over those next five, Dan, I'd be surprised. I, I-, I think the Eagles are toast. They're done. They're toast. Yep. They're done. They've, they've been in first place all along here, and they're they're done. I, I just think they're, they're completely done. Well, well, listen, if, if they man, if they come back somehow and manage to turn it on and win more games than they lose over that schedule, then hands down, they deserve to win that division and go into the playoffs because that is a murderer's row schedule that they've got coming up to end this season. No, that's so, insane. And, and, and yeah. anybody who's watched them play, and I don't mean to laugh because, listen, nobody in the NFC East is any good. Let's just be realistic about that some teams are better than others some teams are getting better but i wouldn't say any of them are good and if you watch the eagles play they are a bad football team they are and uh there's no doubt about it and i just don't even if they start to find their stride seahawks packers saints like no yeah no so i think no. i think to get to have a real shot at winning this division and people are like man if there's really a good chance that the winner of uh, the nfc east is going to have a losing record 100 percent they're gonna have a losing record that's not even debatable at this point there's going to be a losing record for whoever wins the nfc east let's just put that out there I think the key for the Giants and the Cowboys and any other team that's trying to win this division, you've got to win three out of your next five and go into week 17 with six wins at least. You've got to have six wins, I think, to get into the, to have a real shot of getting in. And I don't think Washington has that great a chance to because you look at their schedule, they got to go at Dallas on Thanksgiving. You know, that's just a tough spot for them, I think. You know, especially Dallas. It's still a toss-up. It's only a three-point spread, but I kind of like Dallas. And then Washington goes at Pittsburgh at the 49ers who are getting healthier home against the Seahawks home against the Panthers and then at the Eagles so four of their final seven games Dan on the road 
Giants have the head-to-head tiebreaker against Washington as well. Like, I don't see Washington being in this race for long either. They're going to fall off. No, I, I, I tend to agree with you. I think maybe a win on Thanksgiving gives them a little additional yep. boost yep. and a That'd little huge. additional momentum. And listen, if you're a Giants fan, you got to be rooting for Washington. You just do based on alone on the head-to-head a 2-0 tiebreaker there. You know, not to mention Dallas is the team that you're looking at down the line that's like, you know, they actually have the easiest of all the four teams in the NFC as far as the schedule goes down uh, um, down the line here. So, you know, as a Giants fan, you want to see Washington get that W because it's one of the few chances where Dallas is going to be really genuinely challenged yep. over the rest of this season. Right. And you kind of want to go into that last game uh, hopefully not a game back, you know, as opposed to being tied or something along those lines as far as record goes. But, yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. I think Philly, just a ridiculous schedule. Washington schedule certainly not much easier. There's still some questions over there about whether or not they want to go back to Dwayne Haskins or stick with, with Alex Smith. Obviously, I hope they stick with Alex Smith just for the story alone. And Andy Dalton, you know, he didn't look terrible. He really didn't look terrible nope. uh, the other day. So I think Dallas, you're right, is the team to watch out for. And they are. The, they, you know, it's going to be the Giants and the Cowboys down the line. The Cowboys, because of their schedule, Dan, might be the front runners because they got Washington at home. Yeah. They go to Baltimore, which we had penciled in as a loss for sure. But Baltimore is not playing great football right now. But I still have that as a loss. But then they get, the, too, yeah. they get the Bengals. They get the 49ers at home. That's a toss-up. They get the Eagles at home. That's a toss-up. So And then, the, obviously, the Giants Week 17. So there's some toss-up games there. But I think the Cowboys toss-up games they have a little bit better shot in the Giants still have some scary ones you, yeah, you gotta do. be you gotta beat Cincy then you go to Seattle I know we kind of joked about their defense that's still a really tough game home against the Cardinals really tough game home against the Browns tough game like these are you know we could call them coin flips but they're tough and they still and the Giants still got to go to Baltimore so this right. is like man the Giants schedule is tough but I think when you look at the way the schedule is set up I think it really comes down to Giants Cowboys and I'm really hoping Dan that both teams have six wins they're both what is that six and eight or whatever going six, into six and nine and going six, into yeah, the last game yeah. six and nine going into week 17 and we play that thing for the NFC East championship I really hope that's how it plays out I'm not I sure mean, how fun with that be? Yeah, I mean Seriously, whether or not, you know, you, you hate the Cowboys or you're on the other side and you hate the Giants, given how everything has played out this year as far as the NFL goes from COVID, from no preseason to this awful, almost embarrassingly hilarious start in the NFC East, to go into Week 17 on January 3rd and have the Giants and Cowboys essentially playing a title game playoff game that that's just would be so it would be so much fun i don't care which side you're on you'd, you'd have to enjoy that right and I, I think when it comes down to those two teams giants cowboys i like the cowboys schedule a little more i like the giants team a little more but now we got to watch to see it make sure this little like like you said the fractures doesn't come into play so right that's right. that's the thing and that, that's and the, the thing going game forward. stretch for the giants after the Bengals is not you like you said that's that's not easy Tough. it's another reason why they absolutely have to beat the Bengals. that's yes. why i say if they lose this game just just mark it off because that that four game schedule i'm sorry you're they're not going to win all of those games would, so. you, would you trust them in survivor this week well, you know i man I hate ever betting on the Giants because <laughs> I, historically the Giants tend to be this team that will play up to their level of competition, but also down to their level of competition. And my fear is, is they're, you know, 
traditionally the Giants would look at this game against the Bengals and they'd you know, backup quarterback who's terrible, backup running back who's, you know, not that great. Once upon a time was a solid guy, but not so much anymore. Terrible offensive line. I just don't want them to get complacent as they've done so many other times throughout history. And again, we're going to learn a lot about Joe Judge this week because if they break that trend and go out there and actually dominate a team they should dominate, people will go into next week thinking, all right, you know, maybe these Giants are serious. So would I bet on them? I mean, I'd be hesitant too. But I mean, if you're you're going down the line of, of games that should be one way, yeah, the Giants should win this game. All right, maybe I'm going with Miami over the Jets. Okay, uh, <laughs> all right. So uh, that's actually that's a good one. I actually yeah. I might go with that one. Myself, yeah, yeah, so. I might have to go that route now, Dan, because you didn't you, you don't got me convinced. So yeah, that, that's just <laughs> that's just your Giants fandom though coming coming out though. It's, your, your true colors are uh, singing there. But hey, man, I, <laughs> I appreciate the heck out of you. Have a great Thanksgiving. All right, have a great uh, holiday with your you know you and your family. All right, man. You too, man, and and everybody listening as well. Happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy good football. Good traditional football. USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.